Welcome in. It's Unanchored Boston, the podcast. Bob Lobel, Mike Lynch, and me, Hank Morse. And today, you know, we're a couple days late, folks. It's a Thursday, but what a Thursday it is because it's National Beer Day. It's National No Housework Day. We get the Frozen Four at the TD Garden. It's opening day in Major League Baseball. And no local teams, unfortunately. Red Sox, of course, are rained out. And hello, friends. The Masters is underway at Augusta, Georgia. How you doing, boys? Hi, Hank. Hi, Bob. Um, yep, it's uh, one of those special days uh, where, uh, you know, playoffs will be kicking in pretty soon and hockey and basketball and, you know, every single night it's like, uh, what are we going to watch? So uh, it's a great time of the year. Um, the weather usually isn't too great this time of year, but there's certainly a, a plethora of things to pay attention to. And our new podcast, of course, Unanchored Boston, which you can find on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also go to the website, unanchoredboston.com, and using your smart device, you can say, hey, Alexa, play the Unanchored Boston podcast, or hey, Google, or hey, Siri. Like, that's Bob's favorite, hey, Siri. This gives him another, you know, <laughs> another lady in his life besides the lovely Dee. Well, once I finally figured this out, after talking to an operator in Romania at 7 o'clock, well, whatever, it's not important. I, I guess there's so many things to talk about, but I was, one thing I was, was this a April Fool's Day joke, or is Hoyer actually getting number 12? I, I saw that. Um, yeah, it doesn't, okay, so I know there's a lot of things going on, none of which we can solve, but we can all comment on it. Is Hoyer going to get number twelve? Is that a or is that a April Fool's joke? I don't know. I I, I can't imagine that they can't imagine can't imagine that, that that would that would happen. I mean, I know that you know Teddy Bruschi's jersey's been worn again, so hasn't Seymour's and et cetera, et cetera. They don't they haven't really retired jerseys in a long time. But you don't give out number twelve. I mean, hey, I know other sports don't give out numbers that like the Red Sox for the most part, they did give out 24, which was Manny Ramirez or Dwight Evans. And then Manny Ramirez, which wasn't the brightest thing in the, in the world to do, but you know, they didn't give out Clemens number. They still, they still haven't. Uh, and whatever, but I'm just asking about it. When I saw that Hoyer was getting number 12, I said, this has to be a, April Fool's joke. Well, but if they do give, if he does have it permanently, you can forget about Tom Brady ever returning for a retirement or anything else. In, no, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that that's they're pretty good friends. So I just think that uh, I, I, to me it was kind of a stunning thing. I said you can't really actually do that, but they can do actually do that because they've done it before. Do, do you think that Brady? Talked to Hoyer and said, look, uh, you know, if you want to wear number 12, go ahead and go for it. I think, uh, you know, that's entirely possible. But Hoyer would have called him and said, look, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I guess to me, that's, it was a sacrilege that that would, that they would do that. But it's possible that they would. And I just can't imagine Hoyer running out on the field with number 12 on. Or anybody running out with number 12 Any, on. Right, right. So anyway, okay, I'm sorry. I just didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, that's a good that one. would have been the most 
controversial thing of the week for me. Everything else, I don't know how the playoffs are going to go. Do you guys have any idea how the playoffs are going to go or who Celtics play who or what or the Bruins play who or what? We don't know, do we? No. I think everybody wants to avoid Brooklyn in the first round. <laughs> and Or Milwaukee. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Now, when Kyrie Irving shoots free throws, or any shot for that matter, does he think he's shooting a flat object? We don't know what's inside that guy's head, Hank. I, I, really, I, I really don't know what, what's spinning around in there. Um, complex guy, I think, is the, is the, is the safest way yeah. to put it. I don't think he's a bad guy. And it's funny, the very first thing I ever did in broadcasting was the BU men's basketball and I did it on WTBU, AM64. You could It was a carrier current station. You could get it in the dormitories. You could get it a little bit up and down Commonwealth Ave. I was a freshman. They had a freshman guard by the name of Dredrick Irving, yeah, who was quite dead. a player. And turns out that's Kyrie's dad. And when I tell you, soft-spoken gentleman, not in a controversial bone in his body. Heck, guy, it's just, you know... Sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree in this case. <laughs> well, you know, you don't know. I mean, everybody loves Kyrie if you're his teammate. I mean, he's a great, great player. He just picked, you know, this whole thing about the NBA. I mean, isn't it painfully obvious that these guys that are not, some people are not interested in playing meaningless basketball games. There's so many meaningless basketball games during the regular season that if they can get out of playing them, they'll wait till the playoffs. And that's kind of what Irving's done. He's kind of paced himself and only, you know, had because of the, the New York loss, played half of the season home, uh, not at home, but away. And uh, he's going to play in, in the playoffs. I, mean, oh. I, I, mean, I love how Adam Silver says we need more incentives for these guys. To, uh, to yeah, right. I mean, here's the commissioner saying – What's what's he saying? He's saying my team, my my star players really don't want to play in in their regular season games. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty uh pretty weak, isn't it? They need incentive guys making thirty two million dollars a year. They need incentives. Pretty weak. But you know what, Mike? I get it. I understand. Why would they want to play in regular season games when they're going to get paid anyway? And all that really matters is getting a ring and and playing in the in the Playoffs. Well, the players are starting to be like like most of the fans are. Wake me up with the playoffs. I mean, and he yes, the, yes, yes, yes. And they're talking about an in-season tournament during the regular season, giving each uh, member of the winning team, I think, a million dollars more incentive. I don't know. It's like a like a winter carnival or something. I, I know. Mean, it's, you know. Come on. All right. We get it. We, it's well, look just, at the case of the Boston Celtics, right? Where you go to the the turn of the year, we got the new year. You know, from what we read, there's infighting. No one's happy. You can't get everybody on the same page. They don't like the coach. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. But it's about chemistry, right? Now they all love each other. They're one of the better teams. They're probably the best team in the NBA over the second half of the season. They're all alone in first place in the Atlantic Division. And, you know, poised to be the number two seed. So there is something to be said about chemistry. And what about the other guys that may build up resentment toward those superstars? Yeah, well, what about the, so the unvaccinated players that may not be able to play uh, if they play in Canada? I mean, it, you know, talk about 
I don't know what you call it, selfish or, or whatever you want to call it, but apparently the Celtics have more than one unvaccinated player, and if the rules hold on, they won't be able to play in Toronto. And, you know, you wonder who they are, and I, apparently Jalen Brown is one of them. Yeah, well, we'll find out soon enough. Whether Tatum's the other, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. So and what he do you said he that? had COVID pretty badly. What do you do in that situation? Get they're, all a couple, they're all meatballs. Not those guys specifically, but at this point, I would say those NBA players who don't want to get vaccinated, and for instance, I, I, it must be infuriating to be a teammate of Kyrie Irving right, when, he, when he couldn't play at home. But by the way, we are brought to you by Our Best Foods and Our Best Meatballs. The very, very best. I wonder if Kyrie okay, would look at those and go, oh my God, those are the best flat meatballs I've ever had in my whole life. But no, they're called balls because they're round. Balls are round. And of course, Cold Springs RV. You know, RVs, they're huge. They can be waterfront mobile homes. You can take them wherever you want to go. You're not landlocked. You're not stuck on some piece of property. ColdSpringsRV.com. We want to thank them for their sponsorship right here in Unanchored Boston. Anybody going to the Frozen Four at the TD Garden? Well, that's just nice in Florida. It's really too bad that uh, no Boston, the New England teams or Boston, you know, it's really just too bad. No Boston teams. Hard to believe that that's true. That I know. You know, I believe Harvard's not there. Harvard, you know, I know it's about you. I know, I know, I know. What about but, BC and BU? I mean, come on. I know. Northeastern, UMass. I mean, uh, they all they all get knocked out in the great, the two of them got knocked out in Worcester in the overtimes uh, <laughs> last weekend, no, two weekends ago. Yeah. Um, too bad because it's an exciting event. Um, there's nothing like college hockey, single elimination. Every shift is like sudden death overtime. Uh, the energy is incredible. And it, it'll be a great take. I mean, if you're a hockey fan, it'll be a great take. But, it is. you know, the, right. but, but what they miss is that, you know, the, the, the student migration from any of, the, any of the schools, you know, Harvard, any of the four Beanpot schools or UMass or, you know, Providence, UNH, coming down en masse uh, into the garden with their bands. And uh, the band will be there with, with all the other schools. But, uh, I mean, who do you root for? I, I hate to say, but. You know, it's funny. I spent a little time, because I'm a hockey fan, and I started going over, like, the USHL, where a lot of guys will go in college hockey. After they get out of high school, a lot of the colleges, they want them. They want 20-year-old freshmen. So a lot of guys will go out to the USHL. And I looked at the Ontario Hockey League the Quebec Major Junior League, the Western Hockey League. Very, very few New England players amongst the top scorers, some of the top players. I mean, so many of the very top are coming from Minnesota, Michigan. Although the kid from Hingham, Matty Beneers, who's out at Michigan, who's an outstanding player. You'll get to see him this weekend. But um, there has been a real shift. I mean... I don't know. I, I, it's unfair to say the quality has gone down. I think, you know, things trend a certain way and it's cyclical. But, you know, the upper Midwest, the Minnesotas, the Michigans, wow, they are dominating right now. Well, <clears throat> all right. Boston Marathon, Monday. Um, back in full force, back in, in its regular slot, uh, Patriots Day. 
Uh, news made by the uh, BA this week uh, uh, prohibiting anybody that is a resident of Russia or Belarus from running in the race. You can run in the race if you're a Russian or Belarus citizen, but not living in those countries. Um, but you cannot run under the flag of your country. And I'm told that uh, when they have the flags that line Boylston Street from all the different nations represented will not be a Russian or a Belarus flag. Uh, good move by the BAA, I think. And I don't know how they can police it uh, with 30,000 runners. But um, I checked on uh, the last uh, official marathon the, uh, in 2019. There were 50, I think 53 Russian citizens that ran and three from Belarus. So, you know, out of 30,000, we're talking just a handful. Yeah. I feel bad for those. I feel badly for the Russian athletes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have nothing I, to do with this. I, I do too. It's sort of like our athletes in 1980 when we, uh, Jimmy Carter decided to boycott the, um, the summer Olympics in Moscow and all our athletes. I mean, you know, we didn't invade Afghanistan and it had zero impact, uh, whatsoever. So I feel bad, but, I think, you know, the BAA, I think, felt since it, it's, uh, you know, one of the most prominent international events that they they had to take a stand and make a statement. And that was their method of doing so. Hey, Mike, well, now that you uh, I agree with you on all what you just said about Russia and Belarus runners, you have to make some kind of a statement. Is there any way you can check on this Hoyer thing while we're still on the podcast? It just bugs me. Sure. I'd like to just try to check, but I'll just continue. Uh, Red Sox rained out the first day. Is this is this really a an attention getter, or are we just kind of drifting into the major league season? Uh, I was bummed out. I was ready for baseball. Baseball means summer. What are the boys of summer? They're baseball players, right? And even though it was going to be 45, 50 degrees down at Yankee Stadium, I was bummed that it was raining. But nonetheless, I saw um, – I can't remember who wrote the story. It might have been Alex Spear in the Globe. Do you view this as a bridge year for the Red Sox, or do you think that they're contenders? I think they're fourth-place contenders is what seems to be the general. I mean, between Tampa and the Yankees and uh, Toronto – those are three teams ahead of them, aren't they? I mean, yeah, but we got so close. You know, you can't go back to say last year when well, they were two games away from the World Series. Well, yeah, they were two games away from the World Series, but they were really miles away from the World Series. What do you think, Mike? No, I don't think they were miles away at all. I think that they, you know, they 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 were they, miles away, Mike. Up uh, two games, win two games against the Astros. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, they were miles. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but that's beside you know. All right, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have a little uh, con. Well, I, I mean, I'll ask you right now. Um, how many games each? Uh, one of the we're all gonna pick how many games before the show concludes. How many games the Red Sox will win this year? We're not okay. gonna we're not gonna go pick the East, the West, the Central, and all that other stuff. But how many games the Red Sox will win? Last year they won 92. And they lost 70. Same record as the Yankees. And um, Tampa Bay won 100 games last year. So be, be thinking about it right now. So last year, yeah, I, I mean, they got hot at the right time last year. You know, beat the Yankees. 
to beat the first place race. I mean, you know, if it's single elimination, I can see how, you know, you would say, well, you know, they, they got hot at the right time, sort of like St. Peter's in basketball. Um, and by the way, first of all, they, they lose their coach and three of their best players go into the transfer portal. I don't understand this whole transfer portal thing in, 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 in college sports. It's just basically anybody can go wherever they want and never have to sit right. out any time at all. It's, it's ridiculous. How but that's another story. Transfer portals in local television. <laughs> <We should. laughs> Would you have transferred? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But it would be tough what? to get that thrown from where you sat upon. Uh, you know, no matter where you would have ended up, Bob. transfer portals. I, it's crazy. It's crazy. Anybody can go anywhere at any time. But it's because of the pandemic, right? What? Because they're not holding them to the one year, correct? Isn't it because of the pandemic? I, I think so. I, I haven't. I mean, I, I just slipped off the top, top of my tongue here, so I don't really know. Um, I don't know. I don't know the genesis of this this foolish rule, but I remember you know Jalen Hurts plays at Alabama, school. then the next year he's playing at Oklahoma. You can go to school, and if you're not a starter, yeah, wherever, and you want to be a starter, and you think you can be a starter, get in the transfer portal and sell yourself to the highest bidder, yeah, or whatever. I mean, it's again well, back to the back to the Boston Red Sox. Yes, Hunter Renfro, right. Yeah. Nice year. Career year for the Red Sox. So we trade him for Jackie Bradley Jr. Great defender. 165 hitter and a couple of prospects. Who's going to be moved to right field, by the way. Okay. And let I would rather have Kiki out in right field, don't you think? Don't you think uh, JBJ is a better center fielder than Kike Hernandez? Or do you think it's a mindset for Kike to be able to play center field? And I think right field is a harder place to play than in Fenway Park. Than- yeah. yeah, it is, without question. Uh, it it is a harder place to play, and and I think I think that that's a good move. And Hernandez is is a comfort level there. You're right, Bob. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of be- you know, you're I don't want to say you're protected by the wall and everything, but you know, ball goes over your head, it hits the wall. You try to make a shoestring catch. You got two guys backing you up in right field. I mean, you're like you're on an island out there. By yourself, it's just that that corner, the right, that corner down by the foul pole, uh, where it, it banks around, and then you get the bullpen behind you, and then um, it, it is a tough place to play, especially in the day you know, with that sun coming uh, down right over the right over the third base grandstand. But when they made that trade, right? When they made that trade, did you raise any eyebrows? You know, they'll say, "Well, listen, it's about depth in our uh, minor leagues." You know, it wasn't a straight one-on-one. We got a couple of good. Uh, prospects and you know we're trying to build a deeper minor league system you know so frustrating to deal with because you know you're talking about bogarts and now uh devers who we've turned you know turned down a contract extension devers is going to be one great hitter uh in his major league career he's going to move on and Bogarts is going to be the same thing. I mean, this, this they're not interested in paying these guys that kind of money. I, I, it's just, it's unfortunate, but that's the mindset that they're in. Tampa Bay of the North. Do you think that that's the reason they signed Trevor Story? Because they know that Bogarts is gone at the end of this year? 
Don't you think so? Yeah, that's that. That would be the obvious answer. That that, that yeah. those are the optics. I I guess you'd say, you know, right out of the shoot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, who really knows? I mean, I wish I wish it was different. Uh, I, I wish I felt that they were a team that wanted to be as good as they could be, and to put the best players out on the field. That's what major market, you know, it's it's what big market teams do. It's what the Yankees and Dodgers do. At least that's what they do now, but it's not what the Red Sox do now. They, they were made- two games away from the, they were made the final, they made the final four. Okay. Last year, they made the final four and we're halfway to the world series. What must the high bloom think about Chris sale? He's making $29 million a year. He's out for 60 days, a cracked rib throwing, which I, you know, you don't hear that very often. Oh, guy cracked his rib just throwing. You know, the arm stuff to Tommy John. Okay, I get it. And, you know, he's got an odd arm slot. He's a tall, lanky guy, doesn't weigh too much. But you think it's unusual for a professional athlete to break a rib, break a rib throwing a fastball in a bullpen? Yeah, I, I can see cough. If, if my mother broke a rib coughing uh, one time when I was a kid. She just had a brutal bad cough and cracked a rib from coughing. Um, I, 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 I fell off my bike. I heard that she taped it up and played anyway. That's the word <laughs> I got. And she's going to – Saturday, April 9th is her 90th birthday, by the way. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So uh, happy, happy birthday, birthday, Mom. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Get her on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, She'd yak it up. She's she's uh, she's a scratch a scratch talker, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I mean, first I, I give I, I can't argue with High and Bloom because of the results. It, 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 it professional sports is a results oriented business, and they they won, and they won without Chris Sale last year. Well, they, they pitched a little bit, but pitched against some of the cupcake teams. Hard to believe. So uh, let, let's stay with the Red Sox right here. I was just sitting around here. Let's, if they come down to you need one game to make the playoffs, one game, and you could have anybody pitch in that one game, like October, let's say it's October 1st to get into the playoffs. Anybody back in Red Sox history to pitch that one game, who would you want it to be? Pedro. Pedro. You don't want you want Pedro? Or Clemens. I'd take either one. How about Lonborg? Absolutely. How about Babe Ruth? So who's it gonna be? Who gets the ball? I you know what? I guess I gotta go with Pedro. See, I think mentally and physically Pedro shows up. I always worried about Roger Clemens. Was it was it the start against the A's when he got thrown out of the game? Yep. Yep. We were all there. Was that 86? Uh, no, 88 or 90. I guess, 88 one or 90. Of those um, Just bizarre. What a, what a freak show that was. Is that unbelievable? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was chaos. It was, a, it was a day game because it was um, yes. right after a night game. And it was a day game 
well, the three, three, three o'clock, three thirty start here was the noontime start out there. So I'm sitting up the, remember the auxiliary press box was way up the top of the stadium. Um, we were, we were sitting outdoors basically. And Clark Booth was there with me and Clark Booth says, you know, he says, I was talking with, uh, John Harrington last night, and he's really concerned that Clemens is just going to blow his top. He's just really torqued up and really just tightly wound up today. And um, I said, really? Ten minutes later, Clemens just goes crazy and gets tossed out of the game. I forget the empire was Terry. uh, I'm going to look at here. Clemens tossed. Clemens ejected. See, I don't worry. I wouldn't worry about that with Pedro. He was swearing at the umpires, what basically. He was. Missed a couple of strikes in Clemens's mind, and uh, I was trying to think of the name of the umpire as well. Uh, it was 1990, and anyway. it was Terry Cooney. Yeah. Terry Cooney. He walked Willie Randolph, and then he complained. And then Cooney was standing up behind the plate, shot up his thumb, and that was it. Uh, then Marty Barrett got ejected too. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. Barrett had a hot bat, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Anyway, it was that's just it was chaos. It, it was. Uh, I always thought that Pedro was mentally locked in. And there were some days where he didn't have his best stuff, right? But you knew that mentally he was going to be in the game. He knew what he wanted to do. Sometimes, um, well, like in October, October 23rd of 2003, when, you know, he got to the end of the game and they said that uh, they left him in a little too long, that, okay, maybe he didn't have his best stuff. But mentally, I always knew he would be there. His best performance was coming in in relief in Cleveland. Yeah. That was unbelievable. Yeah. No hit call, like five and two thirds or something like that. So, then I wouldn't say his best performance. I mean, he had another couple of great ones against Clemens, as a matter of fact, uh, when they went head to head at Yankee Stadium. But they, you know, yeah. Either one, I, I either one of those three, Mike. I wouldn't have a problem having them starting any one of those three. All right, so now we got the same game, and we're in the ninth inning. The score is tied in the bottom of the ninth inning. Runner on second. Two outs. Who do you want at the plate? Wade Boggs, I guess. Yeah, that's an interesting answer. I thought, you know, most people go, oh, Teddy Ball game. Would you want Manny Ramirez? Would you want David Ortiz? Arguably the, you know, very clutch player. But Boggs, because of the contact, Bob? I guess, because, you know, he was, he was a great hitter. Period. What about Yaz? Yeah, I, you know, again, these are these are the legends of Red Sox past, which uh, you know you kind of go down, you get on memory lane, and all these things pop up at you. But if you had to pick the greatest moment in the history of Boston sports, the thing that people remember will remember more than anything else. I mean, there's there's actually so many of them. I remember this week I sent you guys a list of. Yeah. Of uh, is it Flutie's pass? Is it Orr's goal? Is it Fisk's home run? 
Very few people would say it's Folk to Mankiewicz. Right? But it's right there. For those who don't know, that was the last out of the 2004 World Series that broke the curse of the Bambino. Uh, Was it Robert stealing uh, second base against the Yankees? Good one. Another good one. Doug Flutie's pass. Well, that's the one. I mean, I have to say that That's right up there. Between Flutie's pass, Orr's goal, and Fisk's home run. Those three things are right up there. Yeah, you got to put Malcolm Butler in there, too. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. That's not a bad. Vinatieri's field goal against anybody. Against the Rams or the one in the snow against the Raiders. Yes. Uh, I would say the one against the snow and the Raiders. When you start to think about it, think about how many franchises have been around for 50 years or cities that have had franchise, major league franchises. Or Havlicek stole the ball. Or um, Harvard Yale, 29-29. How about, well, I wouldn't get that crazy, Mike. We're talking about overall Boston sports history. What about Lynchy's field goal that sent... Um, oh, oh, just get crazy. What's his name? <laughs> Not Roger Stone. What about Curtis Strange winning the U.S. Open or Curtis Strange? Or right, the Ryder Cup, Justin Lennon. I mean, these were moments. Or Joan Benoit winning the marathon. Uh, One of the greatest marathons ever, 1986. Juma Ikanga and Ibrahim Hussein tied at the 25-mile mark coming through Kenmore Square. Um, well, I don't know. The Benoit marathon is pretty big. Bill Rogers winning four. I mean, these are all moments that you can throw together and say, yeah, they Bird stealing it and getting it to Dennis Johnson against the Pistons. But you know what? Brady leaving. That in itself is a whole moment oh. in the history of Boston sports. But Bobby Orr going to the Blackhawks after they offered him 18% ownership that he didn't know about. Hashtag Alan Eagleson. Um, Alan Eagleson is my all-time meatball. Our best foods and our best meatballs. Bob, how many meatballs have you gone through in the first half hour of today's podcast? Seven, eight? Well, I'm kind of cut in half. They're that, they're that good and they're that big. I don't want to ruin them, eat them all. You can get the hors d'oeuvre size. You can get the one inch. You can get the two inch meatball that is like the size of a Japanese baseball that Dice K used to throw. A little smaller than an American or National League, Major League Baseball. You can get the Italian seasoning. You can get traditional. They are so, so good. And this is how you get them. First of all, you go to ourbestfoods.com. You download the coupon. And then you go to your local grocer. You walk in. You walk into the frozen frozen food section. It's like your head is on a swivel, Lynchy. Swivel. What are you looking for? That's the, the happy chef, uh, Pablo Bell. Smiling chef. He's always Pablo. looking for a wink. Try to check into a Holiday Inn in Winter Haven, Florida. <laughs> we have we don't have any Pablo Bell, but we do have a Pablo Bell. <laughs> Actually, you know you you I'll check into the room. You know you check into a few places and they'll give you like a complimentary cookie, a couple of warm cookies, yeah, or something. How about a nice bag of meatballs? Perfect. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Absolutely perfect. Our Absolutely. best foods and our best meatballs. I mean, perfect for today. All right. It, You'll watch. It's Major League Baseball's opening day, so forget the Red Sox are rained out. You'll watch a little bit of baseball. You get the meatballs. Maybe you're going to watch the Frozen Four. You're going to throw the Masters on. You really don't have to go far. 
You put them in the microwave, you can put them in the oven, throw them in a nice roll, boom, you're done. Matter of fact, Easter Sunday, most people like ham. You don't like ham? Our best foods, our best meatballs. Nobody will complain. Excellent idea. Excellent. Less, less sodium, I think. I don't know, but they're good. I can, I, sodium. Oh, my God. No sodium, they're just damn good. They are so That's good. By the That's way, if I didn't mention it today, it's National Beer Day across America. Today being Thursday, April 7th. What do you, If you guys went out for a beer, what would you choose for a beer? I go Coors Light. Coors Light? Okay. Yeah, in a can or bottle. Doesn't doesn't matter. I I I I, I don't do haven't done I don't do well with draft beer. So I would yeah, go with like, too bad it could really really cool if you named one of those some of those draft beers, you know, you get those craft beers. Craft beers? Yeah. <laughs> I do like really the shock cool. top. Shock top is a good one. Doesn't matter. Anything. I'm not a beer drinker either, Mike. Do you know what the most popular American beer is right now? What Budweiser? Sam Adams. Sam right. Adams. Really? Yep. Just happened to see that research today. Shout really? out to Jim Cook and Sam Adams Brewery. Yeah, <laughs> the most people liked Sam Adams. Forty-six percent of people surveyed surveyed, and they, I think it was WalletHub.com was one of these places that did it. They loved it. Budweiser by far had the highest uh, brand recognition. And then I do like uh, all the little the craft breweries that have popped up, like Night Shift and Everett. Spectacular. Are they sponsoring really our show lately? No, I'm just telling you that I like their beer. Oh, okay. Yeah, Budweiser isn't sponsoring us either. But maybe but, you should, there's got to be somewhere you live, Bob, in that fancy place. There's got to be a nice craft brewery. Yeah, right they there. just opened one, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they yeah. did. And they have I like miss- 10 craft beers. And usually a full house. Opening day at Fenway Park. What does what does the home opener? Uh, what kind of memories does that bring back to you in terms of pregame ceremony, drama in the game, moments that you can recall as far back as as, as you can remember? Uh, I think the I thought the best opening day was. Uh, I don't know. They they unveiled the flag over the green monster, which was a unique yep. uh, situation. And Bird and Orr and uh, it might have been Russell. Actually, I don't know who. It was Russell. Russell and uh, was it Tom Brady? No, no Brady wasn't there. Um, Bird and Orr. It was. Uh, it was. Um, Larry Bird was there. No. It was Russell or Brewski wore a Red Sox jersey and Richard Seymour wore a Patriots jersey. Okay, so that's that was pretty cool. Those uh, those guys came out to throw the throw the first pitch. Um, did Bill Buckner uh, throw a first pitch on opening day? Yes, two thousand eight. Yep, I love that. I love that. That was pretty uh, pretty it made cool. Me feel good. That I I always felt so badly for the guy, the way the fans treated him in nineteen eighty six. A guy who almost hit. 300. It was a guy who got to be close to a Hall of Famer because of the length of his career. Won a couple batting titles, right? Yeah. I mean, really was an outstanding player. We would have never gotten to the World Series without him. I used to hate the way they treated him. I mean, the same thing for Bob Stanley, right? Well, I don't know that they ever treated him poorly, Hank. Who treated Buckner? Bill Buckner? Who treated Bill Buckner poorly? 
Oh, yeah. When he lived up in Andover, he'd get all these you know, these threats and people would come by the house and they finally had to move out. Of, they moved from Andover to Idaho. Um, that's how bad it was. And remember when he made the comeback with the Red Sox, he was in Winter Haven, he'd be running those hills and, you know, we'd be videotaping him and he was, he was, and he was just so nice to everybody. Uh, but yeah, he, he did not, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have been in the game. Stapleton should have been playing in the game. When the- you know, that legitimately could be one of the, you know, if you talk about greatest moments in Boston sports history. Absolutely. The Buckner play is something that everybody remembers and really was, whether it was positive or negative, was a, you know, considered a great moment in Boston sports history. Right. You know where you were, like the Bucky Dent Homer. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've been on the, on the, on the positive side of, the majority of them, but there have been a couple that worked against Boston teams. Like 1979, too many men on the ice, Montreal Canadiens against the Boston Bruins. True. Another, another big one. Absolutely. True. Crushing. Absolutely. Well, now we're really happy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 now. Okay. Then... Anybody have any opinion about Devonte Parker, new wide receiver for the Patriots? Now, what was Miami thinking? That's what I'm. That that that's what I'm thinking about. If I'm on the Miami Dolphins, I'm they, had, they got their new wide receiver, so they didn't need Parker. Yeah, I I just don't think you can have enough of those guys. I agree, but do they think that little of the New England Patriots and their division? They, I'm, I'm stunned that they would they, they traded them to a, to a, to a, a rival. That yeah, they I, I felt the same way, but. They don't apparently uh, think that they don't think the way fans think. The fans don't think the way they think. No, they look at everything. Everything's uh, done analytically for, for all of them. Yeah, it's really uh, whatever. I guess the Flutie pass would have to be, the, to me, the most, I don't know. And, and the moment has to be has to be shocking. I mean, the fist thing was shocking. The flutie thing was shocking. The yes. bird steal was shocking. You know, I, 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 I the, you, you know, know when that, the Red, go ahead. I'm sorry. When the Red Sox won the World Series, they, they were up four, three games to none. They were uh, they were up big in the game. It was just a matter of get the twenty seventh out. You know, um, and but but these things were like, oh my god, do you, I can't believe what just happened. I can't believe what I just saw, and 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 Flutie elicited that reaction. Bird Steele to uh, DJ elicited that reaction. Um, Orr's goal was unbelievable, but um, they were going to win the series anyway. Um, it, at some point, the fact that it was overtime was 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 the best part about it. So, um, I love Derek Sanderson when he says. I'm the guy who passed him the puck. I'm not even in the picture. <laughs> the old give and go. No, no basketball play. Do you know that uh, Lori Flutie, Doug's wife, that's the first away game she'd ever gone to see him play was the game in Miami? Really? Yeah. Huh. She had never gone to an away game and decided because his parents were uh, going to be there at the Miami game, in Miami, she would go. That was her first away game she'd ever gone to. 
Wow. Anyway, I was always well, curious why Doug decided to move to Florida. Purely cold weather. He likes to play golf. He likes to be outside. He's a, you know, he's an avid sportsman. You know, it's, I don't, yeah, he's, he's always, he surfs, he paddle boards. Um, might have something to do with taxes. I don't know. He was born there in Melbourne, Florida. That's where he moved back to. Yeah, so, true. I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, on that, that Flutie game, uh, I had, uh, the day before, the day before the Patriots played the Cowboys in Dallas. And I had been pretty much on the Flutie BC beat all year, but our, other sports uh, anchor, Lee Webb, a really nice guy. He grew up in Fort Lauderdale. So he said, geez, do you mind if I cover the BC-Miami game? I can go see my fa- family on, on Thanksgiving and cover the game the next day. And I said, sure. And I said, you know, at BC, uh, I, I, you know, the Cowboys and the Patriots will probably be a pretty good game. So I went to Dallas and did the Patriots, which wound up being decided by a field goal on the last play of the game. Uh, Raphael Septian kicked a field goal for Dallas. And uh, then I came back the next day and I still, boy, I wish I was. I, I wish I was at that game, but uh, that 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 instant classic right there. And every time I watch it, I'm still like I get chills. Chills. Gerard Phelan. What's Gerard Phelan doing now? He was working at R.R. Donnelly. Yeah, he works at some company, I believe, in in, uh, in South Boston. Uh, I saw him at a wedding a couple of years ago. Uh, Harry Gallup. Okay. What's that? Did he catch the bouquet? <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Thank you. <laughs> I always thought he should be doing all-state ads, right? Every time you go, the good hands people. He caught yeah. the ball. Yeah. Same thing with I'll... Doug Minkiewicz. You know what, really? Maybe one thing we really haven't talked about is the horrible start of the revolution this year. Yeah, guess... I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for a report to come in on that. Yeah. Okay, good. Have you ever actually gone to a professional soccer game? I have. I went to a World Cup a playoff Did game, really? Nigeria versus Italy in Fox, in Foxborough. Wow. Yeah, that was, you know. I never realized how exciting a professional soccer game could be, nor how physical it is. It's a physical game. It is. It's a contact sport. I never realized. No, but your revolution are off to a tough start. I just want to let you know that. Yeah. You haven't really been paying. They're almost like the Buffalo Bills of the MLS, you know? They get close a lot of times, but they've never won it. Well, this is one of their toughest starts, but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, What else? I was thinking, is anybody going to make the trip July 24th up to Cooperstown to watch – David Ortiz be inducted into the Hall of Fame? I am not going to make that trip. <clears throat> um, probably have to stay an hour and a half away. And uh, so I will I will not be making that trip. I do have a better idea. We could oh, call we... our friends at Cold Springs RV up in Ware, New Hampshire. You nailed it. You nailed it, Hank. You nailed it. You nailed the Lobby, it. We'll the... Lobby yep. Cruiser. Snuck up on me in that one, too. You want a new RV? You're thinking about a new RV? Then we have the place for you, and that would be Coal Springs RV in Ware, New Hampshire. W A R E, Ware, New Hampshire. Or W E A R E, as they uh, want to do in yeah. the selling department in the Granite State. But they um, have the latest in travel trailers and fifth wheelers and pop ups. 
and more motor homes, of course, they're loaded and it would be, I think the thrill of a lifetime to drive off of that lot in a new motor home. My neighbors had a motor home. They took about 60 couples. It was a huge group. They all drove out to Alaska over, they took two and a half months to go to Alaska and every big city they would stop. And, you know, some people, but the whole group of them eventually got together in Alaska and they said it was the absolute trip of a lifetime. If they wanted to stay an extra day somewhere, they could, you know, and you're paying nominal fees to stay in some of these really nice parks, whether you're, you know, on the Atlantic Ocean or maybe you're going to the Rocky Mountains. Right. Just Canadian Mount, Rocky Mountains. Just spectacular. Miss, and, uh, Cold Springs RV could help you get there. that. I, could well, the, I don't the, have popul- the popularity of camping and RVs is just exploding. And our friends at Cold Springs RV are ready for you. So get the Cold Springs RV and see the latest in travel trailers, fifth wheelers, motorhomes, pop-ups, and more. ColdSpringsRV.com. Online, right there, ColdSpringsRV.com. Easy to spell, easy to find, easy to do. Tell you me know, what some th- of them, they're like a Four Seasons hotel. I keep waiting for Robin Brown, who used to run the Four Seasons in Boston, right? For, I would love to see a Robin Brown-designed RV for sale at Cold Springs RV. The most luxurious thing you've ever seen. They are beautiful. I mean, they have air conditioners that have, like, separate cooling systems for the place. Right, you get these flat screen TVs that come up out of nowhere. They've got Wi-Fi, they get satellite. I mean, when you think about it, think about how much money you spend on a home to sit on a piece of land and you look at the same thing every single day if you buy a vacation home. This with a beautiful RV, you've got a waterfront home you can take all over the country. Are you gonna drive the, the Lobby Cruiser, Bob, or are you gonna have have a driver? Well, I think that you know. We'll alternate. Trade out. Yeah, we should just, okay. trade, you know, everybody gets, everybody takes a turn. When we go, what do you think the music is going to be? Like, if you're driving, do you get to pick the music? Yeah. Why not? Well, who would you pick, Johnny? I bet you picked Johnny Cash. You like Johnny Cash. I do. I would probably pick some of that, uh, you know, country, 100 favorite country, Tanya Tucker. Oh, Tanya Tucker. Yeah. So did you find out about Hoyer yet? No, I, I sent a text message out. It uh, was not returned. Okay, well, we'll find out. I hope it's a April Fool's joke. I got to go get my good sneakers ready for the marathon. I really do. It's one of the great days in Boston. I love the bean pot. I love Marathon Monday. You come out of the Sox game, you walk down into Kenmore Square. And I always love when you see the 250-pound guy at the 25-mile mark. You know, these are normal people that work normal jobs and train in the winter for this world-class race. And you're like, how do these people get there? How do they do it? Either of you guys run the Boston? No. They shorten it by 24 miles. I'm in. But, Bob, you've run run, once. I thought you run a couple times. Just once? Just once. Yeah. Was it 76, the run for the hoses? I don't know. It was like in 78. It was the year after uh, the Jack Fultz run for the hoses. It was the year after that. That year was so hot. The year we ran, it was like 40 degrees and rainy. It was perfect. 
running weather, but you know, there's a difference between being a Porsche and a Mack truck. You know, the Porsches are the ones that are maybe the ones that have legitimate numbers. We were like bandits. The Mack trucks, like we were, all I remember is empty Gatorade cups and orange peels coming through Cleveland Circle. And uh, I had to do a Bruins game with Bob Wilson that night. Really? Yeah. And at the garden and Bob Wilson, uh, I was so tired. I mean, in the second period, Wilson just told me to go home. (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) Seriously. So he did. I mean, I'd run the marathon that day, was at the garden that night to do a game with the, with Wilson and as you know, second like to second period, I didn't, I didn't know where I was or what I was doing. He just said to go home. So I did. you didn't ask You didn't say, Hey Bob, but I said, I'm not much use of, to you here. He says, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he smoked during the game. Wilson. I don't I know. Most I think did, but I don't think Bob Wilson did. Yeah. I don't remember smoking was such a, normal thing back then so it's yeah. not something you stand out in your mind but knowing, knowing bob wilson you know he probably had an ulterior motive because he, he did like the microphone <laughs> now he didn't have to share oh, yeah, yeah right. and i get that no i don't think he, all right he, <laughs> I, I worked with him uh, at wits radio uh right after that and he had he had an office which he was never he never came in the building he came in to cut some commercials but he had a picture of his boat up in Winnipesaukee. Yeah. And, and, and you know what the name of it was? Uh, Big Mouth, was it? Yeah, Big Mouth, yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. He, he always, he'd laugh at his own jokes, too. <laughs> yeah. He, had, he, had, he had a great voice. Oh, he my had, God, did he? Unbelievable pipes. Unbelievable. A great play-by-play announcer. Yeah, he was. Awesome. Yeah, uh, he was. It's like the soundtrack to my childhood growing up. Yeah. But so did Fred Cusick. They both really, you know, they were blessed with uh, great play-by-play announcements. Anyway, that was my marathon day. So did like uh, so you you finished? You went home and showered, and then yes, we, 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 we were like stiff as a board walking into the garden and everything. Or you just I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember. You know, I I know you had to crawl up to that perch to get into the right duck your head. Yeah, so I was probably a little stiff, I guess. Did you? Uh, I that. It was a, huh? Did you stop at all during the race? Yeah, I stopped five times to wait for the guy that I was running with to catch up. I swear, my it was my friend from a new Manchester, New Hampshire. He and I ran together, and uh, we were going to run together and stay together. And then I'm not saying I was any faster, but he just was a little slower, and. You know, I'd wait, I'd, I'd go, and then I'd kind of, I wouldn't stop. I'd keep running, but in right run in place until he caught up. And, yeah, I keep, I keep every time I see him, and fortunately I still see him, I keep reminding him of that day when I had to stop five times and wait for him on the Boston Marathon route. But I didn't, you know, so I probably ran 28 miles that day. <laughs> How about Uda Pippig? Are you in touch with Uda Pippig any longer? I oh, love just her. on Facebook. Yeah. Is she back in Germany? 
I don't know. I think I think she's out west. I think she's well. I think she goes back and forth. She goes anywhere she wants. Actually, I bet she does. Yeah. Did Did you enjoy covering the marathon? I loved it, Mike. I mean, I I just loved. I loved it because it was like five hours of live television, unscripted, and uh, you know you had experts to go to. It, was not, it wasn't like you had to deliver expert commentary. It was like covering America's Cup. You didn't have to know about it. You just had to have people that did, and so you could just ask them the right questions. So I, I did love it from that standpoint that it was improvisational live television and. Uh, I loved it because it was the event. It was it was such a community wide event, and uh, it it just seemed to get bigger and bigger. Um. Anyway, yeah, I did like covering. I know Numi hated it. <laughs> Numi Numi wanted it out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> Numi, we want you at Heartbreak Hill. I'm out of the box that day. <laughs> <clears throat> But then, you know, what happens is a lot of times there were playoff games during the, the marathon. So it's either you either had to go to Montreal or you go somewhere else because the Bruins are playing that night uh, or the Celtics are playing that night, whatever. Yeah. That, so, that, 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 that would get you. I did. I, I loved the day of. I didn't like the weeks leading up when they had us do all these pieces on different athletes that were running in the race. Right. Right. And I, I just thought it was taking away from uh, the Red Sox and the Celtics and Bruins playoffs that were going on. And uh, but once race day came, you know, there was there was there was electricity in the air and you, you were really pumped up for it. I, I wasn't always on the anchor desk. I started out. I, I'd have to be out in Hopkinton because they shut the roads out there like around 730 or eight o'clock in the morning. This is what this is when the start used to be at noontime. And we'd have to meet at the station at like 630 or something. And a courier would drop us off and. <laughs> I remember there was always a pancake breakfast right by the starting line in the basement of a, of a church. So I'd go in there and stuff myself with pancakes and, and just wait. And then I would sit in the, uh, in the lead truck. They had the, uh, you had your fraternity brother in there, Tim Kilduff. Right. And he was always sitting next to me. And he sat on, he basically sat on a, on a, on a milk carton for 26 miles. And the runners, you know, were, you, you could almost reach out and touch them. That's how close they were to you. And, you know, you'd be on this two-way two -way radio, and, um, and it was pr pretty cool. And, and I, I, you know, Chet would, would throw to me, and Natalie says, well, how, much, how big a lead does, uh, um, you know, uh, Alberto Salazar have right now? And, and I couldn't really tell. And the way I, I looked up. That and far, Natalie, about that far. <laughs> <laughs> no, I looked at the counted telephone poles. I said, he's got, a, he's got a three telephone pole lead. And I don't know if the tele the distance between telephone poles is standard or not. Is it is it you know fifty yards? Is it twenty yards? Is some of them could be a hundred yards apart. But I said, yeah. Now he's, his lead is now a five telephone po telephone pole lead. That's the only way you could I, I could actually tell. You know, you don't have any of those GPS things that were going on then. And then eventually uh, they moved me to the anchor desk down at the finish line, which was great because you know you had you had uh, great people. We had um, Joan Bernard Samuelson and Bill Rogers. I mean, just just tee it up and toss to them, and you know wherever they were, you know, and then they just would tell stories about, oh yeah, I remember this part. You go by the Happy Swallow Restaurant in Framingham, and uh, you know there's always people coming out there, and blah 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 blah. You know, Did we you get a lift? About... What's that? Hey? I'm sorry to interrupt. We were talking about great Boston sports moments, and 
I mean, um, Rick and his dad, Dick Hoyt. Yeah. You know, year after year. Yeah. And um, Dick Hoyt pushing his son <laughs> with cerebral palsy in the wheelchair and just um, just a superhuman uh, event that really just captured everyone's hearts, right? Yep. My favorite one to cover, we uh, love the Hoyts. It was just a special, you know, visual optic type of moment during the marathon where people would just, you know, the Hoyts. That's, you know, that's all you needed to know. But the 100th marathon, they put me up in a helicopter first to go over the, I told you this story, right? Uh, uh... Well, we're just, anyway, we're going on the way. We're trying to follow the buses out to the, no, it's before nine o'clock when we're up in the helicopter and we're trying to follow the buses, the school buses out to Hopkinton. And then they would st stop like a couple miles from Hopkinton. So the runners would run into the woods and <laughs> go to the bathroom. Yeah. Right? So we're in a helicopter and we've got a bird's eye view of this actually happening. <laughs> You didn't do the play-by-play -play of that, I hope. Yes, I did, of course. <laughs> you know, why would I miss a moment like that? Here he pulls over on 495 in right? Helicopter. And then you just see the runners scurry into the woods. And, of course, you couldn't actually, you know, far enough away that we didn't affect their privacy. But we obviously knew what they were doing. So it was just – and then when the race started, I was in the helicopter – to start and then I, it landed I, I don't know where we landed and I got into a state police car to get back to the finish line before and it was just one of those crazy you know logistical days anyway so much for that but yeah I was gonna say, they didn't have to land the helicopter for you to go into the woods I hope no no watch the watching them run into the woods was a <laughs> moment Not one of the greatest moments in Boston sports history but a moment for sure I, I always thought what a great story would be to just do the the cleanup around when the thirty thousand people leave. Oh my God! The, the common and the and the the, the yeah the, the common is right by the starting line, and then there's this little white church where they let the elite runners go in and keep warm before they go. But you know, just the carnage that's it's just all over the place in this in that that little town once the, once everyone you know makes it across the starting line, which and then sometimes especially the earlier days. When people would take liberties with people's uh, nicely planted bushes, you know, and they <laughs> yeah. relieve yeah. themselves. Yeah, I mean, it it uh, it happens. Yeah, you think that doesn't happen today? You know, what, I'm trying to think when uh, when this race sort of morphed into uh, the elite runners' biggest event on the planet to the people's marathon. Because right now it's 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 not about. I mean, I, I could could any of us tell you who won last year? No. Any, any winner in the last ten years? No, right? But we all know a handful or more people that ran for various charities uh, over well, the years. Yeah, it has become an enormous fundraising. Uh, yeah, event. yeah, it is. And it's 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 hard to get a number, and you know you got to make a pledge. And you got to get, you got to deliver on the numbers. So there's a little bit of pressure when you say, okay, I'm going to run for, 
uh, for Dana Farber. And I said, okay, how many runners do you got to get raised? I don't know, $25,000. And you better find some, some pledges or you're on the hook for that. Uh, but, but that's what it's become. And, you know, there's just pockets of people along the route now that are looking for their friends or group of people that are running for a particular cause more so than, Whoa, here comes Jack Fultz. Whoa, here comes Bill Rogers. Whoa, here comes Greg Meyer. Whoa, here comes, because we don't know who these people are. Prize money used to be a big issue. There was a big, you know, big when Somebody said, you know, who are the greatest athletes that you've ever covered in Boston? Or who's the greatest athlete you've ever covered? You might say Brady. Or you might say Havlicek or Ainge. Or you might say, but who's to say that uh, Dick Hoyt or Joan Benoit or Bill Rogers wouldn't be considered one of the greatest athletes that you've ever covered in Boston? It's possible. When I think athlete, I think someone that plays multiple multiple sports and, you know, can run, jump. Um, the reason you know. I mention Ainge is because obviously he was a baseball player, yeah. a basketball yeah. player and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to put Flutie up there, too. Yes, of course you do. Yeah. Um, Havlicek, you know, Cleveland Browns, Celtics, uh, pretty good at everything he touched. So, and Brady was drafted in baseball and football, so he's up there. Tommy Glavin drafted in hockey, too, right? You know, I, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, Hank, <laughs> I was talking to some, some kid the other day uh, who was – uh, talking about not playing a spring sport because he wanted to concentrate on uh, on hockey or football, whatever, whatever sport he played. And I said, you know, I said, do you remember Tom Glavin? He said, of course I do. You know, Cy Young, uh, World Series, Atlanta Braves. I said, his best sport in high school was hockey. He won the John Carlton Award as the best outstanding hockey player uh, in in New England, uh, in Massachusetts, rather. And he was a goalie. And so the kids said, really, I didn't know that. I said, yeah. I said, you know, and Michael Ruzioni was uh, scored the winning goal. I said he was a great football player at Winthrop, and he threw a no-hitter against us in uh, baseball when he was uh, at Winthrop High School. Yeah, great athletes. Anyway, so uh, so there you go. And so do you have, did you have no interest in running the marathon ever again after that one time, Bob? Not really. One, one and done, that's enough? I mean, that was, you know, yeah, I think so. I think – yeah, it would have been a Herculean task to do it again. I think that would have been – it was tough enough the first time. And the most we'd ever run before, as buddy of mine from New Hampshire, the most we'd ever run before was uh, 17 miles from Concord, New Hampshire, to Manchester, New Hampshire. And then when we finished that, we said, well, I'm glad we did this so we know we could never run a marathon. And then three weeks later, we said, well, you know, let's let's go try it. So that's what so that's what happened. Did you feel the crowd gave you a little bit more energy, or was that is that a myth? Uh, <laughs> when we were coming through Wellesley, and and the Wellesley College crowd, you could hear the radio. Bill Santos was on WBZ radio calling the finish. Rogers wins fourth marathon. Okay, Rogers. Yeah crossing the finish line when we're coming through Wellesley, which was halfway. So it gives you an idea of what was of the scale of what it was, but the crowd. No, I, I think it was just, 
about putting one foot against the other. And actually, up the Heartbreak Hill was going up. The Boston, the Evening Globe was out. They had an Evening Globe at that time, Evening Edition of the Globe, and it was out on the streets in the headlines at Rogers wins fourth marathon. And a guy held it up to us. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> held up the Evening Globe. <clears throat> so we're still going, but coming down Heartbreak Hill seemed to be a lot harder than going up. Anyway, really? it's a whole thing. Because I'm telling you, Mike and Hank, when the time we got to Cleveland Circle, Gatorade cups and orange peels. That was the theme, you know, just getting through that. Well, Bob Wilson must have been thrilled when you finished. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey folks thank you for listening to unanchored boston that's the name of our podcast and we're you done. can find us on facebook twitter and instagram on unanchored boston and for another week or so you can still find us in uh loby lynchian friends with hank moore's podcast but we will be transferring everything we do on social media um twitter instagram facebook to unanchored boston you can go to the website unanchoredboston.com and using your smart device you can address Siri like Bob likes to do. You can, hey, yeah, Google, well, hey, Alexa, took a day hey, off. Alexa, listen, yeah. Unanchored Boston podcast, and they'll find it. Okay, so we don't know about Hoyer, right? We'll find out about that. Don't know about Hoyer. And how many wins for the Red Sox this year? 93. Bob is 93. Hank? 90. I'm going 89. Well, aren't you a fan? <laughs> there you go. Okay. All, All right, right, folks. Good job. We'll see you when we ever when we see you. Go Tiger Woods. All right. Up. Unacred Boston is a presentation of Unacred Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unacredboston.com.